We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. We are back talking Indiana football after a busy last few weeks after the bucket game for the Hoosiers. Uh, an offensive coordinator change as Nick Sheridan is out. Walt Bell is in. We'll talk all about that. Indiana also picked up four players from the transfer portal last weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about who's on campus for official visits this weekend and getting ready for signing day, although we will have our own signing day preview next week uh, as we get into that. Um, IU is uh, is making moves. But first, a uh, a word from our sponsors. Uh, Wilder vs. Uh, Fury, Mayweather vs. Pacquiao, electric personalities that produce big fights and even bigger betting opportunities. This Saturday, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley will be no different. So don't miss out on the action. Bet the fight with my bookie. My bookie has the best odds and prop bets for Paul Woodley, too. And you can start by doubling your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000 using promo code SPORTSDRINK. That's double your deposit to double your funds and double the excitement for Paul Woodley to at my bookie. As much as we'd like, uh, all I love to see Jake Paul eat canvas. He's looked strong in previous matchups. And with Woodley taking this fight on short notice, all the odds are in Paul's favor. Back the problem child to win this rematch as he's sure to be the favorite. Don't miss out on the double your first deposit uh, up to $1,000 using promo code SPORTSDRINK. Head to my bookie today to place your bets, fill your pockets, and watch this grudge match get settled with Paul versus Woodley too. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, TJ. Uh, as excited as we are about Paul Woodley too. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, which is Indiana football and the major changes that have come with um, the end of the season. Uh, for all of you who missed out on this season, um, good job. Uh, you missed a 2-10, and 10, absolutely dreadful season. So hopefully you're doing something better with your time than that. But... Uh, Less than 24 hours after the after the Hoosiers lost 44-7 to Purdue in the bucket game, Nick Sheridan uh, was out at offensive coordinator. IU's offense was last in the Big Ten in in points per game. They just atrocious. Dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, just looked like a bare bones operation uh, at the end. Nick Sheridan is out uh, today. It was announced. Announced officially, 
Uh, so on Thursday, it was announced officially that Walt Bell uh, will take over the offense coordinator duties. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Walt Bell is, he most recently was the head coach at UMass where he went, what was it, 2-33, and 2-34, and 34, something like that. Um, he had two wins over a number of years, uh, which wasn't great. UMass is a notoriously tough job. It's stuck up in the Northeast where they don't really care about college football. And if you're playing college football in the Northeast, you're probably going to BC, Syracuse, Rutgers, Harvard, or Yale, uh, and not really looking at UMass all that much. Um, IU fans might know Walt Bell from his time at Maryland. He had a, a very good rushing attack with Ty Johnson. Uh, and, and those uh, and those running backs uh, in, in that system, he had an outstanding offense at Arkansas State. Uh, and before UMass, he was at Florida State. TJ, you were, wrote an excellent article on Walt Bell uh, ringing the bell. What we're getting in Walt Bell? What's your what's uh, sell the people who are skeptical on Walt Bell? Well, I think it's, I'll start with, I think it's fair to be skeptical. Um, I, I, I think that you can have two kind of frames of mind here. One can be um, kind of where I'm at, uh, which is, you know, looking at his past experience as an offensive coordinator, which I go back to that because I don't think the UMass part, um, I don't hold that against him at all. I think it can provide hopefully some useful um, leadership uh, aspects to him and some lessons uh, that, that can translate to Indiana. Um, and hopefully that additional experience that he got running a program will help him lead the offense. That is something that Tom Allen mentioned uh, today in the, the statement that was released by IU uh, that he was looking for somebody that could lead the offense. And Tom Allen believes that Walt Bell is that guy. Um, so I think you can be cautiously um, at least curious about what Walt Bell can do. Um, I think that you can like a lot of the uh, scheme that, that he runs, and I happen to, to enjoy it. I think a kind of at its simplest form, a power spread uh, is what you're looking at. It's a lot of, um, lot of different looks out of a shotgun, uh, occasionally using a pistol formation uh, with one, two, three guys in the backfield, um, a, a heavy dose of multiple back sets, which I think is very fun to watch. A lot of misdirection, a lot of uh, action before the snap and motion to attempt to keep the defense off balance. I think that that is fun to watch. Um, I think that you can also, at the same time, look at the total productivity of Walt Bell's offenses and be underwhelmed uh, that this is the direction that IU is going. Um, the numbers, you know, they don't, they do not jump out in a positive way to you. I do think there are extenuating circumstances that 
you know, an optimist could say, well, yeah, he had these injuries at quarterback when he was at Maryland. And he had a dreadful offensive line when he was at Florida State. And they still managed to have a very good running back in Cam Akers uh, that averaged over five yards a carry, I believe, and the second, you know, second best passing attack in the ACC that year with a, again, really awful offensive line. So I think that there's positives to find, but I think that having a, a, a level of skepticism is certainly understandable. Um, I do hope, and you know, we're not here to tell anybody how to feel. Uh, you feel however you want to feel. That's totally fine. And as an IU football fan, if you're like, man, this is really not what I was hoping for. I just don't have any hope that this is going to work. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm not going to, to try and dissuade you otherwise. I would just hope that people give this at least a chance to work. Um, because I, I, I think that some of the things that I have read about Walt Bell, I think, are over-the-top criticisms. Um, he has had success. It's not fair, uh, in my opinion, to say that Walt Bell has been terrible everywhere he's gone. I don't think that's accurate. I think it is accurate to say there are some things to be very concerned about in terms of where his offense is finished uh, in the FBS ranks, that's fair. But I don't think it's fair to paint this as a total failure before we even see Walt Bell get to coach a game uh, as the offensive coordinator. Even so, a, how about hold the practice? Sure. The guy, yeah. You know, yep. The, I, it, yeah. It's, you know, one, it, you know, going through the IU release, there there are a couple stats, and, and they're going to be super positive because you know it's an IU release. But, um, you know, with Maryland, he I think became the 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 first coordinator to have four different quarterbacks win a game, um, and, and things like that. So, it's um, that's something that. Indiana couldn't do this year. Are you telling me that like Peyton Hillis and Max Borgenslaughter are better than Jack Tuttle and and Donovan McCauley? I don't think so. I mean, not on paper at least. So, you know, Maryland was just one of two teams in the nation to win at least three games with three different starting quarterbacks that year in 2017. His offense ranked in top 20 nationally for fewest turnovers, which was a, 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 a huge issue for IU this year. Um, he had the Big Ten receiver of the year. I saw one criticism. Well, they didn't use DJ Moore enough. He set the program single season mark with 80 receptions. Uh, he also yeah. led the Big Ten with 1,033 receiving yards and was, you know, the third um, thousand thousand yard receiver in, in Maryland um, in Maryland history. So yeah, the knocks on Walt Bell, because people set their expectations of, oh my God, Kevin Wilson's going to come back and things like that, which I don't know where that rumor got started. I don't know who started that rumor, but that had to be a joke. Um, and guess who was, was, Never gonna uh, 
It was never going to happen. And then people want, oh, we need Greg Fryback. Well, you know who was coaching those terrible offensive lines at Florida State when Walt Bell was the offensive coordinator? Greg Fry. And look, Greg Fry did great stuff under Kevin Wilson uh, at IU. But his next two stops, which I believe were Florida State and Duke, haven't worked that well and, and things like that. So, look, UMass is an impossible job. It is probably... I don't know if it's worse than the UConn. It might be, um, but I don't know. Those are if you, you know, if you if, right. if you really want to get into a, a deep discussion of college football, which job is harder, UConn or UMass? Um, you know, you could go on for days about that. But look, people wanted a, a big name hire, and I think people are also getting frustrated with the money issues that IU may or may not be having. You know, Tom Allen took a pay cut. He took it, you know, over the next whatever years of his contract, he took $200,000 pay cut um, to, to pay Walt Bell and to, to get rid of Nick Sheridan. So it's, it's you know, it, it, he's getting paid $700,000, which if you go back to Kalen DeBoer when he was the offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer got $800,000. Um, and he was fantastic. And when Kalen DeBoer was hired, nobody really knew who he was. You know, they, you know, he, they criticized him. Well, he, he hasn't coached at the big time yet. It was basically the same thing. And, you know, if you've never heard of Walt Bell before, you can't criticize him. You can't criticize what you don't know. Uh, so give the guy a chance. Uh, they're, he's out recruiting. He's out trying to get transfers and plug holes and things like this. I think another frustrating part is that there were so many holes on Indiana's offense that it wasn't just Nick Sheridan. There was the offensive line was dreadful and the wide receivers were dreadful. So to, to not see other moves made in addition to this is also a little concerning. And this is probably the biggest hire that Tom Allen will have to make because if it blows up in his face, his time at IU is probably done uh, sooner rather than later, which is unfortunate. But again, um, it's the off season. There's a lot. You have spring, summer, and fall practices. You have you're going to have a totally revamped roster and things like that. So give the guy a chance, and not the first drive if they go three and out and things like that. Um, but all I hope is that Tom Allen allows him to run his system the way he wants to run it. And what I want to see out of Walt Bell is that I want to see him, a guy, a coach who can adjust his personnel as well. So, you know, yeah. if Donovan McCauley's playing quarterback, you have, you, you could adjust to him. If it's Jack Tuttle or somebody else, you could, you know, adjust to, adjust to your personnel. Or if somebody gets yeah. hurt things like that adjust to your personnel because I think that's the biggest that's my biggest need he does check a lot of boxes for IU he's a former head coach which is what Tom Allen wanted um he's you know a a run first low turnover type of offense uh and things like that so look is it is it the marquee hire that everybody wanted no but you got to give the guy a chance yeah it it's I personally, and this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but like I said, I, I do enjoy um, watching 
his successful offenses with Maryland um, and Arkansas State to add to that. Um, and I, I think the primary things that stood out to me were the multiple back sets. And this is where I think his offense is right their best. When you had a couple of dynamic backs that could move well, when you had offensive lines that were athletic, not necessarily the biggest, um, but were athletic enough to be able to pull the guards out into space, and that you had uh, a lot of and for, they used some tight end, they also used uh, some some running backs to do this, uh, either in a shotgun or a pistol, um, a, a tight end in motion to be a lead blocker um, or to block and then release on a screen. Uh, that's another thing that, that Walt Bell used quite a bit of as an extension of a running game was a lot of screen passes, um, different types of screens. And, and DJ Moore, you know, was a, a, a guy that took advantage of this in Maryland um, using tunnel screens, uh, delayed screens with, with tight end, um, a, a lot of kind of RPO stuff, which is everybody runs that now, but um, sort of inverted veer, which really is putting the defensive end and the edge defenders for the defense into a dilemma with a fast running back and then a quarterback that was quick enough that you had to respect the run. Um, they also would, would run pass options off of that. So it, it forced the defense to defend multiple things. Um, and that's, that's where I saw his deep, his offense is really at their best. And, you know, Maryland had some really successful games utilizing that where they would get going. The most consistent things that you saw with Waltfell offenses, use of the screen game, more run than pass. The passing that he did have would often be off of running looks so that you, you run the ball successfully, continue to, to you know come out in formations that look like runs. The defense is playing the run because you've run it on them successfully previous in that drive or you know previous in that game, and then you pass off of that. Uh, so, you know, becoming unpredictable with the same looks. And then a mobile quarterback, those have been the kind of the staples of successful Walt Bell offenses. Not necessarily a quarterback that's just a, a straight scrambler, um, but a, a mobile quarterback that can make things happen with his legs. Um, that doesn't mean that that's hundred percent what he's going to run at Indiana. We don't know that. We don't know for sure what he's going to do. And like you said, him being able to adjust to his personnel and adjust to what a defense is doing during the game, which is something that Nick Sheridan had an awful time with. I mean, it, there were several drives or several games where IU had a good first, you know, 10 to 15 plays where they were scripted plays. Sheridan could plan those out during the week. Here we go. We're going to start with this. We're going to practice this. We're going to run this all week. 
and that was fairly successful for Indiana throughout the season. Once those scripted plays were done and the defense got to make some adjustments to what IU had come out and done, the offense completely fell apart. So how Walt Bell adjusts to ring a game and adjusts to his personnel, uh, that's going to be you know, a big part of whether or not he's going to be successful in Indiana uh, as the offensive coordinator. But um, I, I like the schemes that he has been successful running in the past. Um, I think that currently I use personnel and we'll get into, you know, a couple of the additions they've had here in a minute. I, I don't know how well Indiana's current running back crop uh, fits into what Walt Bell typically wants to do. It's hard to say because the scheme that we saw them with and the offensive line we saw them running behind was so bad this past year, it's hard to gauge what some of these guys are actually capable of. Um, I think that that and the wide receiver group is going to be very interesting to see how they perform under a different scheme. What it does look like right now is that so far, the same offensive line coach and the same offensive line for the most part that IU had last year is going to be what's coming back. Um, that means that Walt Bell is going to have to scheme with the offensive line that he has, or Indiana is going to have to do a heck of a job developing the players that they have and hopefully bolster that group with a, a couple of transfers in that can have an immediate impact to, to make that line better. Because quite frankly, I don't know how much of a difference any offensive coordinator is going to be able to make if the offensive line play is as bad as it was this past season. Yeah. And there's, you know, it looks like Caleb Jones is not going to be back. So you're down one starter there. Uh, Dylan Powell graduated, so you're down another starter there, it's, which is not bad because the, the offensive line was was not good. So maybe some fresh blood uh, will yep. will will be needed. Um, speaking on the the recruiting front, IU picked up four transfers this week in Emory Simmons, a wide receiver coming in from UNC, Bradley Jennings, a linebacker from University of Miami, Florida, uh, Darius Cox and Patrick Lucas, both defense alignment from Ole Miss. Um, and it appears to be that there are a couple more visiting this week. Uh, that was a good haul last week. You also, Indiana also loses some in the transfer portal, portal as well. Uh, the biggest name going in there is Michael Penix, which I think – uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, TJ. I, I think it's the best. It was it was the only move for for both sides. Um, yeah. My uh, Penix, he he, I mean, he gave all he had for IU, uh, and injuries derailed his career. He was super talented um, with a big arm, but I think he needed a fresh start somewhere else, and IU really needed to move on from him uh, as well. Uh, it's just the 
the best for both sides. And, and I wish not, Mike nothing but the best. He, he was fantastic to talk to and always honest and things like that. Um, but it was, you know, you get to a point in life where you need a fresh start. Uh, and IU, I thought, put all the chips in the Michael Penix uh, table, uh, pushed it to the middle of the table uh, early in the year. I, I don't know if he was ready to start at Iowa. He maybe was physically ready. I just I don't think he was mentally there uh, and things like that. And he maybe pressed a little too too much and, and tried to make the hero throw. Uh, and, and that turned out to, to be disastrous uh, as well for IU. But I know uh, we wish him the best here. Also, Shamar Jones hit the portal on December 6th. So we'll see where IU goes from there. Uh, in the portal, it's going to be an active portal. I think IU could sign up to 32 people uh, instead of 25 this year. That's according to Matt Weaver on Peaks. That was, uh, you know, kind of the middle ground on on how they're going to um, how they're going to do that this year on campus this yeah. week. It is a huge recruiting time uh, for IU this week on campus this week. Uh, what's this weekend? December 10th, December 9th. IU's got some visitors. Uh, and the biggest one is Tanner Bailey uh, from uh, Gordo, Alabama. He's a four-star quarterback, former Oregon commit. Uh, As we all know, Mario Cristobal is headed down to Miami. And we'll see uh, what happens there. But Tanner Bailey will be on campus along with Devontae Miles, uh, who's a defensive lineman uh, from River Rouge, uh, Rouge, Michigan. And then Benson Sneed, who's a defensive lineman transfer, from Tennessee. Uh, that's according to the 247 site, what they have up now uh, and things like that. So it, it'll be a, a big weekend to keep an eye on Tanner Bailey as well. Uh, TJ, wh- what are your thoughts on, on IU picking up some, some transfers and, uh, and how this recruiting class uh, might shape up because it's, uh, it's getting down to the nitty gritty, uh, early signing day is, is December 15th. Yeah. So Josh Hoover, uh, was the quarterback commit in this class from Texas, a kid that a lot of people were quite excited about understandably. So I I think he's going to be very good, um, for TCU. He decommitted and basically flipped the Texas Christian right away, uh, to play for Sonny Dykes and that new staff. Um, so that that's where Tanner Bailey comes into the equation. Uh, that that would be a tremendous late get. Uh, we'll talk more in depth about him if that comes to pass. Uh, it it does appear that the other Indiana commits are still all on board. Um, so you're looking at who else can you add from the high school class? How many do you want to add from the high school class? And then how many transfers do you want to go pick up and um, you know, it, it would, it was going around in my head when you said 32, uh, how many transfers would Indiana be looking to get? I would, I would guess that the staff is open given 
what we saw play out in the field and given, you know, the new scheme um, or, or desires that Walt Bell might want to put in place, uh, it would not be shocking to see Indiana, you know, get close to that 32 number. Um, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see one, how many offensive linemen does IU attempt to add in this class? Because if they don't have anybody else leave outside of Caleb Jones, I want to say that they've got still like 13 or 14 scholarship guys uh, that are that are going to be on the roster for that group because the incoming uh, offensive line class is actually, uh, from a ratings perspective, probably the best offensive line group that IU has brought in, um, in my memory. I mean, Demon Moore, uh, Lynch, and um, Smith, I mean, that, you know, three borderline four-star guys uh, that are coming in. And last year's group was, was had some good potential guys too. I, I think, you know, it's going to be tempting for the staff to go get some quick fixes in the portal, but they might not be able to do that given the numbers they still have along that offensive line. It, it might be maybe one or two um, transfer offensive linemen. So you're looking at, uh, I, I think that they still want to get at least one, probably two additional running backs to this class uh, outside of Jabron Payne. Um, I think that there's probably going to be a quarterback of some type. Um, I suppose it's possible you get one incoming freshman, which might be Tanner Bailey. That'd be great. Uh, and then also look at the portal for a, an, a quarterback that Walt Bell picks out. Um, I think it is possible you add outside of Emory Simmons that you add another um, at least one more wide receiver. Um, probably not any tight ends. I think they, they feel comfortable with the group that they have, but that could depend on what Matt Bjorson chooses to do, whether or not he comes back. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think that they feel good probably everywhere but uh, the defensive line, which we've seen them target pretty heavily. Uh, they got two big bodies from Ole Miss uh, that you mentioned. I think that they both will have a chance to be in the rotation, particularly, um, I, I think, provide hopefully a, a bit of a pass rush. Um, guys that can get into the opposing backfield. I think that that's kind of what those two will be looking at primarily. Secondary, you know, the good news there, Jalen Williams and Monster Matthews have announced they are returning. Taiwan Mullen announced he's returning. I, I don't believe we've gotten word on Reese Taylor, uh, but the secondary is going to be coming back pretty much intact and hopefully stay healthy. So I think the defense is Looking at defensive line and then linebacker um, Jennings, who from Miami, 
that's a solid addition. He's a guy that started and played in, I believe, 35 games for the Hurricanes. Uh, he was pretty productive. He can come in and, and help the Hoosiers uh, at linebacker. Uh, his younger brother transfer from Maryland, and he's considering Indiana as well. But I, I don't think there's going to be all that much to bring in more secondary or linebacker guys. I think the focus on defense will be that line and trying to find some guys that can help you uh, with your pass rush. Uh, but I think the portal is primarily going to be used for offensive players moving forward. Uh, I don't know if you concur with that, but um, and one of the targets that they had in last or uh, in I don't know, don't know if it was last weekend, but fairly recently, uh, Sean Shivers from uh, Auburn. That's a player that immediately when I heard Indiana was interested, I you know sent our group text that I was excited about that. He's a dynamic runner, very quick. Uh, he's he's a guy that has track speed, and I think that he'd be a tremendous fit for Walt Bell's offense because he. Walt Bell likes to get his running backs with misdirection to the outside edge and having a home run hitter like Shivers that had success at Auburn just behind two really good backs, that would be a major get for the offense. Um, I'll just kind of wrap up my point with, I think the transfer portal is going to be used heavily to change the personnel on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm very interested to see kind of who they can get outside of the addition of Emory Simmons, which that's a good one. Um, he was successful at North Carolina, uh, had a bit of a, you know, odd journey committing and decommitting and committing again to different places, but including IU. Yeah, including IU. I eventually found his way to North Carolina. Um, he was he was fine there. You know, you, you look at where does he fall in line in the pecking order? Hard to say exactly. Um, I, I He's below DJ Matthews, but I can't think of another IU receiver that I would automatically put ahead of him. Um, so I think he'll certainly have the chance to be on the field quite a bit. Uh, but, I, you know, if, if, if I get, you know, if I think if the IU coaches have their way, I would be willing to say that if they got some true serum in them, they would say that they want to get four or five starters on the offensive side of the ball from the transfer portal for this coming season. Yeah, it's going to be a totally different looking team when they take the field uh, next year against Northwestern on, I think it's September 4th. Uh, How big of a game is that? I, we're not going to start previewing that for a while, but that is a, boy, that's a large game um, just for the both programs. overall feeling of the program. You for get another another home opener or I'm sorry, another first game is a big 10 game, which I'm sure is not what Tom Allen would have chosen. Um, but you right there, start of the game, 
at the start of the season, you're you're out to prove last year was a fluke. And there's your chance. A beatable yep. opponent. We have no clue what IU's going to look like or what Northwestern's going to look like. But, I mean, that's just a massive game for both teams. Uh, and for IU specifically, on your home field against Northwestern on opening day. It um, might be a tricky – it's not opening day for Northwestern. Northwestern does open in week zero against Nebraska in Ireland. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. So okay. that game, because it was supposed to be Nebraska, Illinois this year, and it got canceled because yeah. of COVID. Um, and they rescheduled it, and it's Nebraska versus Northwestern in Dublin on August 27th, which leads me to believe maybe, just maybe, you get a sleepy Northwestern team coming in. I don't know. I it, Usually those games, let me go back to Nebraska schedule this year. I always believed that those, those games, when they had them originally scheduled, that they had the next week off to recover. But we'll see. That's something to keep an eye on, I think. Because if – yeah, Nebraska has a has a game scheduled too. It's going to be a weird, weird opener and, and st- stuff like that. So, um, but it is a big opener. It's a big opener for both programs. You know, Northwestern's coming off a lousy season as well after winning the Big Ten West, uh, and they've kind of gone on their own roller coaster ride. And then, of course, Indiana went down to, to two and ten this year after two good years in a row. So you, you're right. It's a Indiana Northwestern doesn't scream off the page as, oh, that's a huge game. It's a huge game for both programs. So, and we'll, uh, we'll preview it later in, the, in during the summer and things like that. We have a ton more to talk about, but anyway, TJ, it's time to, to wrap this thing up. Uh, final thoughts before signing day. But your first priority is hanging on to the guys you work so hard to get committed. Uh, we haven't heard of any, rumblings of additional players outside of Hoover, um, you know, wanting out. Uh, Your next priority is who can we find that's going to help get this program back on the track we want it to be on. Um, That's from a talent standpoint and from a culture standpoint. Uh, And then, and then from a personnel fit standpoint, because one of the things that I think um, perhaps Indiana has not done a great job of is finding guys that that fit your system, your identity. And I say that primarily on the offensive side of the ball. And it was a big issue I had with Nick Sheridan as a whole. What was Indiana's offensive identity? They didn't have one. So it's hard to recruit players that are going to match that identity when you don't know what it is yourself. Yep. So I, I'm hopeful that Walt Bell can, and Tom Allen and the whole offensive staff can determine quickly, this is going to be who we are on offense. Let's find players that can help us play that way. And I think that the next couple of weeks for the, for the high school recruits, it's going to be less than a week here, but um, 
the transfer portal plus the high school recruits that they're going to get, I hope that they're able to identify guys that they know exactly how they're going to be used. Yeah. This is who this player is and how he fits in our system on offense. And that, you know, that's easier to do with portal guys than it is with high school recruits because you've already seen them at the college level. Uh, and obviously it's critical for those portal players to be able to come in and have an instant impact, which is what IU needs on offense. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the, the transfer portal itself and the kind of free agency aspect it adds, but it certainly makes it easier to flip your roster. We saw countless examples of it this past season with teams that were really struggling in 2020, an infusion of transfers. They got some success, they gained some confidence, and it flipped their program instantly. That's what IU's got to do, and the next couple weeks are going to go a long way to determining how quickly they'll be able to do that and if it's possible for the 2022 season. So it's, it's a gigantic couple of weeks for the IU staff. They did a nice job with the opening weekend of it, getting uh, several commits out of the list of visitors that they had on campus. They've got to keep repeating that, though. Yeah, they do. I think, you know, you're, you hit the nail on the head there, TJ. Uh, they they got to keep this class together because right now I think it's currently 31st in the country, which after a 2-10 and 10 season still pretty impressive. Um, yeah. And then you, you got to fill you, you got to fill your needs. Uh, and so, you know, you got to fill where Josh Hoover is, whether that's you go get a high school quarterback, you get a transfer portal quarterback, or you get both. Um, I do right. think I do think a veteran quarterback who's played uh, significant time and has starting experience would be a very good addition for IU next year. But you also have to stockpile uh, some other guys there uh, as well. The running back room needs to be rebuilt. Um, wide receiver room needs to be rebuilt. Maybe you go get, like you said, a tight end. Uh, the offensive line, go get a veteran offensive lineman. Uh, things like that and you know we'll see where it shakes out next Wednesday uh, because signing day early signing period starts next Wednesday the the 15th it's going to be extremely interesting to see who signs their letter of intent that day what transfers are coming in and maybe you get another flurry of of, uh, commits this weekend before before that date so We'll see. It'll be a totally different IU team when it when it comes to fall in in terms of personnel. Um, they do have some rebuilding to do. I, I, you know, I think you you need another linebacker or two in there as well. Uh, they have a couple offers out to, to transfers because you lost Michael McFadden declared for the NFL. Um, we don't know on Cam Jones yet. You lose DK Bonham and Thomas Allen as well. Played a, a lot of football for IU, so. We'll see. They've got a lot of work to do uh, at those positions, and and hopefully the staff could plug those holes uh, so they can avoid another uh, another down year. Anyway, that does it for today's podcast, TJ. Thanks for for joining us. Um, thank you for listening. You can follow us on HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter as well at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, follow us on Facebook. 
and all that stuff. Uh, Walt Bell will be available to the media on Sunday prior to the men's basketball game. So we'll get a chance to talk to him uh, and have content up then. Uh, anyway, keep an eye, uh, weather eye out for recruiting news this weekend. Uh, and as always, uh, thank you for listening and have a great rest of the week. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 